Oh, oh am I saying it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we can say a welcome to episode four of Tia Tequila Podcast. I'm Layla. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. We're I'm still Mayla. working on this. We're still working on this, guys. We'll I, just... <laughs> obviously. She can't control her inner Beyonce. Um, I don't know if you heard me, but I'm Mayla. Say my name. She is Mayla. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Well, today's topic is going to be um, kind of just me. Um, I'm going to just lay it out there for you. Postpartum depression um, is where I'm going to take off with. And it's going to be a deep topic. It's it's not going to be too, too heavy. Um, I don't want to trigger too many people too quick. But uh, I did get some feedback when I talked about that on the first episode. Um, and just kind of let everybody know that I had that. So I wanted to expand on it and just talk about the fact that it is definitely just something you can't control. I am a very happy person. I am bubbly as, I mean, the first episode, Mayla was like, hey, I hated Seth. She was too much. It was, she was just like in your face. That's how I, that's always been me. That's always been me. I'm just a happy person. Even when I'm depressed, I can find the silver lining. And then I stepped into yoga at one point, um, really dove into that and peeled back a lot of layers, um, connected to myself on a deeper level and was like, huh, I have all the tools. I have all the tools. I'm not going to get postpartum depression. I was afraid that I was going to just because it does run in my family. Um, you know, it's just kind of something you, you can't really control. So you don't know if you're going to get it or not. Um, and so I just tried everything. I was like, all right, meditation, yoga, this, that, the other. And I'll tell you, it just really doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. It does to an extent um, in the sense that it helps you not fully get out of control, um, but it doesn't take away the feelings that you feel. I didn't want to be here anymore. I loved my kids, but I was just like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to be a mom. I am not cut out for this, like clearly. I mean, look, I can't even do the dishes. I can't even get the laundry done. I can't, you know, do any of this because I'm so stuck in my head. <clears throat> Sorry, I need a drink of water there. I was like, ooh, <laughs> rambling, girl. Um, but so I was so stuck in my head. And I just think that the trying so hard to not be postpartum depressed and to and being so angry at myself with it definitely made it difficult to get out of it and to move through it. I wouldn't say get out of it. I'd say move through it because it's not something you can just, oh, I'm just going to climb out of this hill. No, <laughs> it's a trench. You got to like keep going. You got to keep going, move through the mud, all of it. And eventually you're somehow out of it. Um, but you always remember it, which is so weird to me. Um, I definitely put a lot of people through hell. I think not only Brendan, you know, being my partner and the father of my children, but my parents, a lot of my friends. 
Um, I just had a lot of expectation. I wanted everyone to kind of fix me. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Fix me. I mean, I saw two different therapists. I mean, I tried so many different things. Um, but really, it was just like me accepting it and just like not getting angry with myself all the time is what helped me to start to move out of it. Um, and I just, I don't know. I think that it's a hard thing for everyone to go through, not just the person that's going through it. Like Mela obviously went through a lot just being my friend and having to listen to a lot because a lot of a lot of that portion of time I think was a, a big selfish time for me because like I was give, give, giving to like everybody else like in my family in the sense with like my children and, you know, just feeling like, I just wasn't heard, didn't have time to be heard, didn't have time to even really like listen to myself. And so then I'd like call up Mela or call up another friend and, and just word vomit, full on word vomit everywhere. And then be like, oh, okay, like we just talked for two hours. Okay, bye, I gotta go. And it's like, oh, I didn't even ask you about how your life was. Or I didn't even like, it's just because I didn't have the capacity at the time. Like I truly didn't. I felt like, like, uh, everything was completely crumbling on top of me and like all these rocks were just like falling in and I was like oh my god I cannot breathe I'm suffocating and then the one moments that I would talk to a friend or be able to kind of have that escape of not feeling that would be the times where I feel like I moved a couple rocks and I was like oh there's a piece of light there's a piece of light and so I definitely think that having that is amazing but I've been trying to take the time to recognize the people that <laughs> were there the whole time. And I definitely think this is a great time for Mela to transition and just talk about how, how it feels to be a friend on the other side of that. Because I think that as a postpartum mom and someone that's having that type of depression and those feelings, we don't want to burden our friends. And then like when we do, like every time I would lay it on mail, I'd be like, fuck. Oh, I'd be like, shoot, you got to bleep that. <laughs> I'd be like, shoot. Here I go again. I kind of feel like crap. So we don't want to burden our friends or our family with anything, but we do still need that support. And I think, you know, Mela, back to you. <laughs> Um, back to you. <laughs> yeah, I will say, like, you're not the only person, because um, even, I don't know if she'll actually be comfortable with me saying this, but I'm going to say it. If she's not, I'll take it out. But, like, um, <laughs> even Ashley, who ironically has, like, literally the same birthday, birthday as you, she had two kids within a pretty, like, close time period, plus, you know, a parent like the loss of a parent and she had pretty bad like postpartum depression as well um i mean you're dealing with a lot of life changes all at one time like so it's there's no shock that you obviously are not in the same like mental capacity as you were before i um, mean i think it's interesting that like mo like it's not uncommon for women to get postpartum depression but it is uncommon for women to talk about it mm -hmm. and it like even I remember like years ago, Lisa Renna came out and was like, yeah, like I had postpartum depression. I like wanted to kill myself. I like wasn't somebody you should necessarily trust to be around the kids. Like it was really bad. And this is somebody who has 
millions of dollars, doesn't need, like can hire somebody to help her, can hire somebody to like talk to about it. And even she had, like she suffered through it in silence. And I think that's like kind of the, I think that's mental health in general. It's like, there's so many people who have various levels of like mental health issues who just do not feel comfortable expressing them and or do not feel comfortable reaching out for help because they can't afford it or like they don't want to be stigma, like the stigma that mm -hmm. comes along with it. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people, even if they have people who they are really close with or they have friends that they're really close with, do not feel comfortable saying like, hey, like, I want to kill myself or hey, like I'm severely depressed or, you know, mm -hmm. any other various like level of mental like disability or mental illness. And I think even more so for women, like a lot of times they're like, oh, you know, you're totally fine. This is just normal. Like, you know, give it a few weeks, you'll be over it. Or um baby blues <laughs> yeah or like even even like things like autism where it's like oh well you know female autism is completely different like you don't that's not a real thing like you know only men get to be all like what are you talking about like mm -hmm. the very fact like the very word of lunacy like goes back to lunar which means which deals with the moon which is what people which is kind of like women women, women literally the women cycle, cycle of, of everything the, exactly so like <laughs> From I don't want to say the dawn of time, but literally <laughs> the dawn of English, I guess. The dawn of time. <laughs> um, like you have, like there's been this connection between being insane and being a woman. Mm. When like nine times out of ten, the people doing all of the crazy sh things <laughs> are not women. Like you don't see women going out and shooting twenty five people at a nightclub or a movie oh, theater. Yeah. Or a concert. Now, a woman shoots one person and one person only, <laughs> man. <laughs> like, and I'm not okay. saying that I'm not saying they're not crazy people or crazy women. Obviously, Snapped has been on TV for like 20 years at this point. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, well, you know, women can't be crazy. Women can oh yeah definitively be oh yeah. Like there's a reason we all crazy. I mean insane. there is. But we but, are all crazy. I think that there's actually, you're going to hate me for saying this, but there's actually a scene in Once Your Hail, speaking of postpartum, she, this wasn't postpartum, but when her, like, I don't know, season eight or nine, one of the characters, Haley, her mom dies and she goes into this huge depression. She like does, she's like completely removed from the household. Like she doesn't really interact with her husband the same way. She doesn't interact with her kids the same way. She's kind of like rude to her son. Mm -hmm. Um, but one of like her husband's at one point says like you know like we're all crazy like some of us just hide it better than others mm -hmm. and i just remember watching that scene and I'm like first of all this is some some good acting going on right here but second of all, that is such a true statement like in one way or another all of us have dealt with some way of like some level of mental illness even if it was like seasonal depression or like you know you lost a loved one or like and I mean like a close one, like a, a wife or like a parent or like a husband, something like that, or a child, which is even more unfathomable. But like, yeah. But like a lot of people, like they deal with that and they 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 their grief then in that case is like, or depression is acceptable. Oh, well, you just lost something. It's okay for oh. you to be depressed. Versus like, oh, well, you had a kid, like you this should be like the happiest moment of your life. But no when one realizes when you have a kid, you lose the entire part of yourself that was prior to that. So, like, there yeah. is a death. It's just not 
an obvious death. It's a metaphorical death. And like, that's not as accepted in this culture as it should be because yeah. every single woman and father goes through it because you're never going to be the same ever Yeah. after that child's born ever. And you can't change that and you can't try to go back. I tried. <laughs> and I think that's, I think that that's part of the problem in this country in general. Like you don't give fathers enough time off to, to like bond with their kid in those first few months. You don't have the mom. The mom doesn't have any time off either. Like you have somebody who's going through this extreme physical and mental, even spiritual like realignment or re like configuration. And you have 12 weeks to deal with it. Oh, 12 weeks are over. You got to go back to work or you're working you're on like FMLA and you're getting paid what, like, I think it's like half your salary or something, whatever it is. Like if your salary is 50,000, you're making 25,000. That's, that's hmm. not enough money. No, like, not unless at all. Not when you have a- to suddenly buy, say like you're not breastfeeding and you suddenly have to buy a bunch of formula. Are you kidding me? A bunch of diapers, a bunch of wipes, like all these things and that God you for- need, you need to do. Now your salary's cut in half. Yeah. But and you have God another person to pay for it. <laughs> And God forbid that you, it was like during the formula shortage where you couldn't even get formula. Mm, mm. Like you're driving all over God's creation. If I, I live through that, <laughs> Lord, mm. <laughs> you have no idea how many stores Brennan would go to, like just to get like, I not even in a lot. Like, I mean, and we were on um, like allergy based stuff. So it was impossible to get because we couldn't just get like regular any milk formula like we could not get generic brands like we had to get the crap that was all belly safe and all of that oh god it was horrible Hmm. i feel all your mamas out there (laughs) (laughs) and like it's 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 as a friend who does not have children who has to support a friend who dies like it's all about like empathy. That's literally and compassion. That's really all you can do. Like you can't necessarily understand completely what they're going through because you don't have a child. Like you still get to go out and spend your money however you want to. You still get to sleep in. You get to literally do whatever. If you want to go and like, you know, do what I did and like just decide to go to Savannah one day or like Charleston or like literally leave the country. You can do that. Mm-hmm. And like no one is gonna like no you don't have to ask somebody to watch your kids you don't have to ask somebody to like you know check on your house you don't have to ask anybody to do anything like it's all whatever you want to do and like I think that it it really the the people that you keep in your life after kids are the people who are actually like your friends mm-hmm. the people that actually support you and are actually there to see you win um, like I remember Ashley last year. Yeah, because it's almost September again. Last year for her birthday, <laughs> did, wanted to go out of the country. Like she was turning 30. She had never, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. Oh, well. Anyway. <laughs> age is nothing but a number. It's through the age thing. I'm going to be 30 this year and I'm stoked. Um, I cannot wait to say 30 because after I turned 27, I didn't know which age I was. I <laughs> probably the pandemic and the kids, but, you know. Yeah. Um, and she wanted to go out of the country because she had never been out of the country. And I literally volunteered, well, I didn't, she asked me, no, I didn't volunteer. She asked me, would I watch her kids for two, like, I don't know, I guess the week she was gone. And I did it. Like, it really was not that, like, and I'm not saying I do that for everybody's kids. <laughs> but 
I think that if you're like, if you have friends who have children, like doing those kind of things is just kind of like what comes with it. Like I went right. to her, her, like the her daughters had a dance recital. I went to the dance recital. Like mm -hmm. I remember when she was super young and Ava always wanted a freaking Peppa Pig thing. And <laughs> Ashley was like, I'm not paying $50 for a toy. So like I'd, <laughs> I'd pay for half of it. Like, I think that's just like, and that's not like a brag on me moment, but it's just like, if you are somebody's friend and you consider this person a close friend, I'm not saying like your acquaintance that you talk to once a year or like a cousin or family or whatever. But like, if this is somebody you consider like an important part of your life, like that's what showing up means. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people have gotten comfortable doing the bare minimum in all types of relationships that they don't like when I remember, I'm not gonna say this. I just know that there are people <laughs> who get upset when they, when they realize that the friends in their life don't do the same things that other people's friends do. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that's not fair that, you know, you have somebody who will like help take care of your kids or like you have somebody that'll help you like, you know, babysit them, buy them a gift, buy whatever you need. And it's like, if you don't have somebody like that in your life, like, what are you doing to prevent that? Like, are you yeah. being that kind of friend to somebody else? Yes. Like, you don't get those type of friendships just by being selfish. Like, mm -hmm. why would I do something nice for you if you can't even do anything nice for me? Mm -hmm. like, and I think it's hard for people these days to even understand and remember what that type of selflessness is because we are so in the wellness space these days. We're so focused on how do we feel and setting so many boundaries with everybody all the time that we think often that like setting those boundaries means like not having like fluidity within them sometimes. You know, there's times yeah. where it's like, okay, you know what, like that my friend who like has done so much for me that I love to like my deepest core, like needs me right now. And I might be overstretched sometimes, but you know what? They need me and like, they're always there when I need them. So like you just do it. And I think that that's where like the lack of so many deep friendships is these days is that that give and take. It's like everyone's wants to take, take, take. And what do they get out of everything? as an individual because we've been awakened to that, which is fine. That's fine. That's good that we're finally like awakening to like, oh, what brings us joy? Like, do these people bring us joy and toxic friendships and non-toxic friendships and whatever? But because we're so deep in the midst of all of that, I feel like it's so hard for people to actually trust people and just give without expecting that expectation and just trusting that that will come when it needs to come in time. Like, because we've been friends for so long, there have been time, there have been chunks, you know what I mean? Where like, I support you and then a chunk goes by and like, whatever, and then you need me, you know what I mean? And it's not gonna be like this exact direct give and take, give and take, give and, ooh, give and take, give and take, give and take. You know what I mean? It's gonna be, <clears throat> Like an ebb, it's like the ocean kind of, you know, it, the current's constantly changing. It, you don't know where, where it's coming from, how you expect it. You don't know how you're going to have to shift yourself when you're in there. And that's how like relationships are. You have to move with them as all the different energies change because we all have these energies and we all have external relationships outside of just that one friendship that are going to affect ourselves as an individual, which then affect 
how we are in that friendship. You know what I mean? And so allowing space for like people to just be and not constantly fulfill that expectation is where you develop that deep trust. And that's where I feel like the bond can actually start is with that trust. Mm -hmm. And then it's not so hard to do what you're saying, to just not think about it and to just say, oh my God, okay, <laughs> pay for you. Oh my God, pay for you, weirdo. Like, yeah. like it's not even a thought. Oh, you need me to watch kids? Oh my God, duh. <laughs> Put them over here. They're like practically like my kids. They're our cousins. Yeah. Come on over. Kids, your cousins are coming over. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that, that's how that, that's the root. You know, that's the seed. That's how you plant that is, is, is that trust and lack of expectation and just back to you, Mela. <laughs> God, I can never finish a thought y'all. <laughs> yeah, I think, and I think that the more, I, why I appreciate this whole like wellness space that we've, especially after the pandemic, we've entered where, you know, people are like getting in touch with their feelings and are getting in touch with like, you know, childhood trauma and lifehood trauma and generational trauma and all that, like that's wonderful. But there's, it's, people have gotten to the point where they're so in tune with themselves. They don't, they're not in tune with anything else. Like it's all about, oh, well, this makes me happy. This makes me feel good. Like this is what I want to do. Okay, well, is what you're going to want to do impacting somebody else? Like mm -hmm. if you go and do whatever this thing is you want to do, is it going to make, is it going to affect your relationships? Is it going to affect your own mental health? Like, is it actually really, is it actually good for you? Or is it just what you want to do in the moment because you have a problem with instant gratification? Like, oh, stop right there and preach that again. Do you have a problem <laughs> with instant gratification? And you know what? I think that because a lot of us have um, ADHD now, um, and I can I have a couple theories on that, but because a lot of us have that where everyone's dopamine seekers, they're like fulfillment seekers of just instant gratification, essentially. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you are completely out of tune with everything around you. And it is so interesting that you you voice this because you're not like this yogi practitioner all the time you're not like this like meditator all the time you know but you do practice certain things of wellness and like you don't have to be you know this like high you know vibrational like <laughs> woman in the woods <laughs> lighting candles and having ceremonies to to be super connected and have a high vibration and I think it's just really interesting that that in the wellness space right now everyone is so me 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 because if you really read texts to like you know books and listen to real people of wellness and like spirituality talk it's not about just what makes you feel good it's about how can you you take your gifts that make you feel good and serve the entire ecosystem with them, the mm -hmm. entire community, the entire world. Because at the end of the day, our energy gets put out and put back in and put out, put back in, put out, put back in. And that's how it works. So like if you're just out there to serve yourself, that's where like it doesn't sustain itself. There's people that burn out 
choosing themselves all the time because it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. You need to be serving in order to receive. Yeah. What is it saying? Like you can't fill. What is it? Something about you can't fill others' cups if yours is empty. Something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I think that, especially for moms, your whole like identity changes, and especially that first year, especially first year, first child, like your whole identity changes. And like, if you don't have people who are understanding of that, or can like. I guess really understanding of that is the best way to put it. Like in your corner, it it just makes it 10 times harder when this is already probably the hardest thing you're ever going to do. Like you literally have, and I mean, fathers too, like this, this isn't really, I guess, parenthood in general. Like there's not, a, even though there's all these books and Dr. Spock and all these other, and like what to expect when you're expecting and like all these other books that you can read and they can give you like, the medical insight and the, this insight and you know i had 10 kids this is how i did it kind of thing like every single child is different everybody's like introduction to parenthood is different and the only thing that's really com like common across the board is that this is a complete and like utter change of who you used to be like you have to be selfless you have to understand and not i'm not saying that you just like completely like never do anything for yourself again because that that doesn't make you a good parent. That's like, that's kind of the antithesis to what it means to be a like well-rounded, healthy like parent. But I think that if you are someone who used to be completely selfish and now have to be like cognizant of other people when you're making decisions, that's a very hard change. And mm -hmm. you don't have time. Like you, yeah, you have the nine months to adapt to it. But when the baby is actually here, is when it actually gets real. Like, mm -hmm. no matter how much prep you did. I mean, you really can't prep for something like that. I mean, you can yeah. sit there and be like, this is how I'm going to be. But then you actually, like, have the kid and you live your life and, like, everyday interactions and reactions and all kinds of things. That depicts who you're going to be and who you are. And so, like, you have to consciously choose when you're not sitting there just being like, this is who I'm going to be. You're sitting there in the moment like, oh my God, I have to choose to be the person I want to be. And and like yeah. that's the hard change. Like, okay, if I, I'm going to be this type of mom, you know, like I have to choose to react and interact those types of ways. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and if you're, <laughs> the funny thing is, is like if you're not, set up for that in the sense so like i'm i'm sassy you know i'm reactive and that's kind of how i've always been like i'm i definitely am passive but there are i'm because i'm so passive that's where the reactiveness comes in it's like i'm a volcano i can be dormant for so long and then i'll freaking just blow up on you um it's an air sign thing but it's also just like a who i am type of thing and I didn't want to be that way when I became a mom, but like I'm that way because like I can't just change. I've been changing over the last year, but it's taken me almost three years to get to be able to say this, you know, and to be able to say like, okay, I'm actively trying. And when I do freak out, I'll like stop in the middle of it and be like, okay, 
no, we're going to switch it up. Even if my kid thinks I'm being weird, like I'm going to switch it up because it's not how I want to be. And so it's definitely a lot of consciousness, like conscious choices. I definitely think that having your friends in your corner who support you, it's helpful because like, like Mela, you know, we've said before, we're not afraid to tell each other, you know, you're being this way or you're being that way, or I disagree with that or, you know, this way or the other. And it's never in a yucky or like rude, malicious type of way. It's just, hey, why don't you think about it this way? And there were many times where Amelia would be like, oh, well, you know, think about this or think about that or, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, shoot, you know, I'm being such a B word right now. Like I should probably consider everyone else's feelings or I should probably, you know, just give myself a break and stop like damning myself for the one thing that I did wrong because most likely they're not going to remember this or that or it's not impacting them. It's not a core memory like I think it's going to be because like I literally am the kind of person that I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, out of my kids. It's going to impact them for the rest of their life. Oh. <laughs> so um, I think that it's helpful to have those people in your corner that are doing that. Yeah. Time is the ticket, friends. Time is the ticket. <laughs> It's all about time and just giving yourself that time, your friends giving you the time, the space. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And I think that, like, as a country, that that's definitely something we need to, like, work on. And, like... Yeah, because, I mean, for Christ's sakes, we need time in the workplace, too, right? Time from our friends, time for ourselves, time from work, time, time. Like, we are definitely a country who does not appreciate, um, I don't know the words of what I'm looking for. Like, we don't appreciate having vacations. We don't, like... Don't appreciate holiday. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we work so much, and, like, taking a vacation is like unheard of for so many people. But there's people I know who have so many hours of PTO and they just like never take them. Mm -hmm. Like I understand, especially working in sales. Like I understand like you, you not being in the office means you're not making money. I get it. But at the same day, like you were a hundred, you were not as effective and like, and like as good at your job we'll just cut that part out okay yeah we're gonna totally cut that out (laughs) anyway work your editing magic i'm so sorry totally just turn the thing off (laughs) um you are not as effective or as good at your job if you don't ever take any time for yourself like you just get so burnt out you get so irritated with the littlest things like you don't you're not able to like handle things as they pop up the same way as when you're like, you've had time to rejuvenate. You've had time to completely not think about this. You've had time to do other things. And in some instances, maybe that's one day, Mm -hmm. like maybe you just took a long weekend. Mm -hmm. You know, you went to the, you went to the lake, you went to the beach, you went to like a new restaurant you've been meaning to try out, like whatever it is, like do that. 
-hmm. And I think that the sooner this country kind of realizes that, like, if you want people to have kids, you kind of got to start, like, creating an environment that's, like, conducive to that is when we will start seeing across the board so many, like, fundamental changes that, like, creates a better overall, like, life balance for people. A sustainable and, life, exactly. Yeah, and, like, there's a reason why there are other countries who have longer life expectancies than us. Just about to say, I was just about to say, I was about to say, look at France, look at Italy, look at these countries who take, who take long lunches, long breakfasts, long, like they don't go into work till 11 a.m., but they always get their stuff done. Yeah. Because you don't need that much time working if you're working really well with the time that you have. And that's the issue is we don't have, just like in school, you know, they're wondering why kids are freaking bouncing off the walls, being popped on medication because they can't sit for eight hours in a freaking school. They're taking recess down to 20 minutes a day. Are you kidding me? I don't remember anything from school, but you know what I do remember actually? A lot of my classes that were outside. Because like, it, it was sensory inviting. It was stimulating. I was like excited. It was it was interactive. And that's how we're all like that. When you're an adult, you don't just grow out of that. That's why you feel better when you go spend a day at the beach. When you go take a day and you know go ride your bike or or take a walk in the woods for Christ's sakes. Nothing crazy. We all feel better because we're stimulating our senses. We're, we're reconnecting to like what we are, which is nature. We are nature. We are not brick buildings. We are not computers. We are not AI technology. We're not that. We are human beings with cells, flesh, bones, blood, just like the deer, just like the birds, everything else. And so we sit here and we wonder why we're burnt out. Um, you're working 80 hours a week. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> of course you're burnt out. We shouldn't even be having like a five-day work week. But I mean, our work scheduling is a whole nother situation. I think everything should be based on... <sighs> time and allowing people time to refresh themselves. I mean, think about the labor, the labor men. Think about the guys who build buildings. If they had like a Wednesday off in the middle of like, they took two days and then took Wednesday off and then took two days. Those four days that they worked, they could probably bust out a building so much faster than working like six straight days. Because yeah. physical labor is tiring. Like, I mean, just think about these things. It's crazy. Mm. Y'all, we all need time. Maternity leave, paternity leave. Time to heal our souls. Time to connect to the earth. <laughs> like, Jesus. Maybe we'll call this uh, episode time. <laughs> <laughs> time after time. That's time a really good after call. time. <laughs> Every time we I hear that, actually, I think of... <laughs> Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. I'm not gonna lie, I've never seen it. I've always wanted to. Never have. Hold on, let me look this up. Let me tell you where you can watch it. You need to watch this. Like, 
I'm pretty sure it's on right Hulu. Now. It, it probably is. Oh my God, it's not. You have to pay for it. Oh, that's lame. I'll find it. Um, but yeah, like I just, I think that the more that people are comfortable speaking about postpartum depression, more comfortable speaking at mental health, there's, and the more like acknowledgement and like funding that we put towards these issues, the better it'll be across the board for all parents. And like, we're, we haven't even touched on the fact that of like single parents, like there oh. are people and it's not common, but there are people who are like single parents from birth. Like if God forbid the woman dies in childbirth, which for black women is three times more likely. Mm-hmm. So if your partner is dies in childbirth, now all of a sudden you're a single parent. You had mm-hmm. this whole plan where you're gonna, you know, raise a child together and you had different things that you wanted to do. And like now you don't even have that person you not only were gonna spend the rest of your life with, talk about mourning two deaths, but now you are a single parent to this child that you like have no you it doesn't come with a manual, like you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that as a a society as well, that we always say like, oh, it's single mothers, it's single mothers. There's a lot of single dads out there and good ones at that. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think that you should take, like, let's not take away from the fact that single parents in general, like moms or dads are doing double the work. With less support. With less support. Mm -hmm. Even if they have a good friend group, even if they have a good family group, like uh-huh. you literally plan to raise this child with someone mm. and now that person is gone. Like you plan mm-hmm. to spend your life with this person. Now that person is gone. And I think that it's hard for us as a society for us to grasp that because again, uh-huh. like I said, we are very selfish and very like, okay, well, how does this serve me? Uh-huh. And like, there's no, there's no like support for single parents. It's all like it's and it's always like some stigma associated with it. Oh well, if you like see a single mom in the in the grocery store, it's like, oh well, you should have, you know, picked a better baby daddy, or you know, you should have done this, or you should have done that. But like you don't know anything about this person. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know anything that they've gone through between now and where you see them in the grocery store. Yep. And then and the thing is though, it's ironic because if it's a single dad, it's like, oh well, you know, you're a single dad. Like to to women. That's like attractive. Like you get mm-hmm. more like, oh, you're a single dad and you take care of your kid. And oh my God, God forbid it be like you're a girl dad. Oh my God, you have a girl and she's like well adjusted and like she's not, <laughs> you know, hanging from the rafters. Oh my God, like that is so attractive. Like I so like I want to date you. Whereas like if you're a single mom, it's like, oh, well, you should have picked a better baby daddy, or you should have like, you know, you should have kept your legs closed, or you shouldn't have done this. And like so not only are you dividing single moms versus singles dads, one of them, and I'm not saying like that's always the case, but it's always like, it's always positive to be a single dad. Like, I don't want it to sound like being a single dad is easy because it's not. But like one of them is more socially acceptable in a sense than the other. Mm-hmm. So even this group of people who should be ra- rallying against or rallying around each other, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's still not there. Like you don't even mm-hmm. get support from other people in your subgroup. Yes. 
from a like sociological divided just because yeah. of, of from, that. Yep. From like a sociological standpoint, like you don't even have your own subgroup to support you because like your actual lived experiences are so different. And it's like, when are we going to realize that like we stigmatize so many people and so many subgroups of people and subcultures and whatever, like whatever you want to call them in this country. And then we always look so surprised when like you get the disenfranchised youth or you get the people shooting up the schools or you get like all of these issues that really come down to the fact that like their parents had to work five jobs because, you know, they couldn't, their state didn't support Medicaid or the state didn't support, you know, early, uh, what is it? Early education, like Head Start stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I sent Steph a video the other day where it was like, if you're going to be pro-life, you need to support a child or a human being, whatever you want to call it, from the from the womb to the tomb. And that is the best like example I've ever mm -hmm. heard of that. Chill. And that's why I've always like, I've always been like, I am pro-choice because pro-life to so many people just means that I support a child when it's in the womb. I don't care if the mom's 10 years old. I don't care if she was raped. That's a child that, that trumps everything else. How demeaning is that to a woman? How demeaning is that to the child? How demeaning is that to like the overall experience of bringing life into this world? Mm -hmm. And this is really a completely different topic, but I think it really ties on that at one point. <laughs> I also think it ties into postpartum depression. Like imagine mm -hmm. being that child, how depressed are you going to be when you're the, your government, your state who shouldn't really be involved in this discussion in the first place is telling you, Oh, well, Oh, well, you need to have this child. I understand that you're only 10 years old. I understand that you're literally still in elementary school, but your body says that you're capable of having this child. So go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. Most kids in elementary school are barely able to explain their own emotional, like, intelligence. Mm -hmm. They're still learning how to express themselves and still learning how to have conversations about what they're feeling and what's going on with them. And you're like, oh, well, you're old enough to be a, a parent. And then you, again, mm -hmm. wonder why we have so many other issues. Well, it's just, it's kind of a joke because it's like in that type of situation, that child most likely would obviously give up that child for adoption. And then what? Because what are those pro-lifers doing for those children in the system? Absolutely nothing. They're just stocking them up in the system like they're collecting them, little collectibles. And then they sit there and they go nowhere and they stay there and they become depressed people in society. I mean, not everybody, obviously, but... It's a very common thing. You know, you went your life unwanted in the system and you get out at 18 and you're apparently an adult. You apparently wow. can fend for yourself. So it's like, it's just a cycle. It's literally a recycling symbol of negative yeah. shit stuff. And I don't know if anyone out there has watched the, um, <clears throat> it's Disney, Disney or Pixar, one of a movie, Luck. I think it's like Luck or Lucky. The girl in the the main character of the movie was in a foster home and it like talks about her childhood. It talks about how like, you know, she thought she was going to be adopted and then she never got adopted. And, but most of the movie is about her being 18 and like, how does she deal with being on her, like being 18, no longer having somebody like around her to support her really, no longer having like really a stable established home. Cause this is really mm -hmm. where you live for the past, you know, 18 to however many years like mm -hmm. i think that 
everyone just assumes that adoption is this like wonderful answer without really considering how does that infect or affect the child. Like it, there's so many moving pieces to parenthood and motherhood and fatherhood. And like, we don't support any of them. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you're, you're a woman, you're supposed to get pregnant, you're supposed to get married, you're supposed to have a baby, hopefully more than one. And you're supposed to just do it with a smile on your face and never, you know, have any complaints about it. Oh, you're going to be a dad. Perfect. You got married. You have the kids. Now you just got to work every day. Right. Like, like, okay. Oh, like, and then like, oh, one of the, oh, like the, the simple thing of like, oh, when a father watches the kid, it's babysitting. But when a mom watches the kid, it's like just being a parent. Like mm -hmm. that, even that idea right there, it doesn't make any sense to me. They're yeah. your children. You're not babysitting. You're watching your children. Mm -hmm. Like, we've got to stop excusing crappy behavior and start supporting parents across the board from like when the baby is born to when, you know, when they go to college or even then, like, they still need help. But like, in terms of those very fundamental years, like, we have got to start supporting people. So that we have better, well-rounded people running the country, running right. the world. Like, that's what I don't understand. Like, they don't under. I, I mean, how long has the saying "the kids are the future" like that saying has been around forever? And how has it not clicked in people's heads yet? What we do with our kids affects what's going to happen within our country. It's not like, oh, what you do with your kids, it's like set them up for life. It's like, yeah, okay, set them up for life. But like literally set them up for life because if those are the ones, one of those kids, one of the kids in your in, in somewhere in this school is going to be the president and, you know, whatever year. So teach it right. Give it space. Give it time. Allow it feelings. Let it connect with its parents. Why are we making parents have to work 30,000 jobs so they can't be home with their children and the nanny gets to raise their children or the school teachers get to raise their children and then you don't even know your kid by the time you get it back? That's why so many, that's why I think so many parents are also homeschooling because of the fact that like, it's just, it's a, you don't know what's being taught. Everything is so like, across the board, you know, you got some schools teaching one thing, you got some schools teaching another thing. It's like, like Catholic schools are scary because I don't know what they're teaching. And we could do a whole episode on this because I definitely, mm, I definitely have some thoughts <laughs> on education. Add that to the roster. <laughs> but <clears throat> we should have some teachers come on here. Some teacher friends. Ashley is a teacher. We can do that. Perfect. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> well, I like when we creepishly smile at each other, like we like have some wheels turning, yeah, that's there's so much to touch on that just that one conversation. But I think that the best way to have well rounded people is just have parents that are well rounded, and that includes mental health and it includes addressing postpartum depression, postpartum psychosis. We didn't even touch on that, like. Mm. It's yeah, one, I, mean, it's, I borderline had that, y'all. Like, it like, was, like I literally, like, I I just remember, like, like sitting there stopping myself from like driving my car into trees. Like, I would go like eighty miles an hour on a back road in Delaware, which is like 
not necessarily a good idea because there's deer everywhere and there's like squirrels and turns and stuff like that. So it was definitely, but I did it consciously. Like I was like, oh, I'm just doing this because I want to just feel like I'm alive because I feel like I'm dying. And that was pretty much what it was. And there was a lot of shit that I did to just feel alive and not feel like I was dying because energetically I felt like I was dying. It was very interesting. Um, but, you know, I feel like talking about it is the best thing. And that's why I feel like I needed to come on here today and just, like, drop the load right there. Like, start off, like, I didn't even ease into it. I was just like, look, guys, like, we're just going to drop drop it. Because I don't know. I don't know how else to start a topic like this other than just to bear it all. Because... <laughs> That's how it is. It's 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 a heavy, heavy topic, and you just have to drop the rock to somebody and let it let it out. Um, without fear of judgment, because at the end of the day, no one can judge you. No one can, unless they've necessarily been there and they also can't judge you then, and they wouldn't judge you then because they also know that no one understands what you're feeling, because no one understands what they're feeling. It because everyone's postpartum journey is different. And so like I bonded with people because they understood because um, they had like minor postpartum depressions, but like never to like the level of mine. But having those connections and talking to people like other moms about it and like, because that's honestly how I made a lot of my mom friends. I was like, look, guys, I'm super depressed. I'll never forget. This is a little side thing, but my um, my one friend, Alexis, across the street, she's a neighbor. I was sitting in my car and I was sobbing hysterically because I just hated my life. Like I'd just come back from like, you know, driving like a mad woman, like listening to depressing music and just like <laughs> sitting there sobbing, right? I was in my car for a long time and she comes over and it's like nine o'clock at night. She comes over, she knocks on the window and she's like, and we're not really that close of friends at this time. <clears throat> she knocks on my window and she goes, I just, you've been sitting in your car a long time. Is everything okay? And I'm like, oh, my God, like, thanks for checking me. And then, like, got all emotional. And I'm like, yes, said no. Like, I'm just depressed and blah, blah, blah. And, like, we started talking. And that's literally how we became friends, pretty much. Like, that, from there, we kind of just, like, kept talking. And she just had a – she was pregnant at the time. So then she had her baby. And just from there, just continuing to be open. You know what I mean? And, like, my openness also allowed her to be open when she was experiencing things. And I think that that's the most important thing. And the the gist of this entire episode is to keep that topic awake and open and people not afraid to open their mouths and open their hearts and, like, let their crap out because that's what it, all it is. It's crap. It's crap. It's, like, black gunk trapped inside of you. Let the word, let the word vomit out. Just, just get it out. Because the, the more you talk about it, the more you have the, the, the time and the space, the more you create. Talking about it allows you to create and mold out your time and your space to be able to have that time. Because then everyone is aware. So like if you do something weird like retreat or get angry or this or that, people are like, mm, maybe there's something else going on. And they're not going to attack you or make you feel any type of way. It's just like, oh, shoot, she's probably dealing with something else. 
And then not feeling ashamed of it is what allows it to shed, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On that note, <laughs> um, if you are enjoying this podcast, follow us on, we're on Spotify and Apple podcast, mm -hmm. um, subscribe, like comment on our YouTube videos. Um, and like, we will be continue to drop new episodes every Tuesday. We will mm -hmm. have a drink of the week. Thursdays. On Thursdays. Oh, my friend actually said that she would create a drink for us. I saw that and I'm so excited. She also like, is this gonna be a signature drink or is this like she just wants us to do something fun? I mean we can make it a signature drink. We she can also have a little cocktail list. She also menu. wants to come on the podcast. So I totally feel like if she comes on, we should do like dating in the like Gen Z era. Cause she's oh, like she Gen Z. Yeah. That's cool. Cause she's like 25, 20 Perfect. Something like that. Perfect. Perfect. And she's just out here, you know, living her best dating app life at the moment. Oh gosh, yes. So Let me hear about it. It is so funny. for 11 years. So I'm like, <laughs> want to hear about what all these kids are doing out there. Um, <laughs> With my granny <yeah>. glasses. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that it'll definitely, if anyone like has listened to this episode and has like, this has resonated them in any way or like, has any additional comments or feedback they want to give, please, like I said, all of the platforms we're on, TikTok, Instagram, the book, like, <laughs> <laughs> just like, you know, send us a message. <laughs> That's a good movie. Not the live action, the old one, the OG. Yeah. Um, send us a message, send us a comment, whatever, you know, however public. Like that, wait. <laughs> Why is it so hard? I feel like I'm like doing that Disney Channel thing where they can't say it. Um, like, subscribe, share. Oh my God. Is that what you're supposed to say? Like, subscribe, and share to my channel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I just hate when people do that. <laughs> it just sounds so fake to me. It does. It does. It's corny. But um, yeah, and like it could be as private or public as you want it. Like, if you wanted to stay private, like just include that in your comment. Um, and yeah, we will just continue this conversation online on the interwebs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think this has been a tea and tequila podcast. I love it. I'll call you next week. Bye. Bye.